Hello and welcome to the First Baptist Church of LaGrange. What an honor it is to have you listening to our church broadcast today. We hope that as you listen along, following in your Bible, that you experience the grace and presence of Christ just as strongly as we do every Sunday in our worship service. May God truly bless you as you listen. I read the story of a cowboy who applied for health insurance. The agent was making his way through this long list of questions, and he asked the cowboy, he said, well, have you had any accidents? The cowboy said, no, ain't had any at all. Last year, I was bit by a rattlesnake, and my horse kicked me in my ribs. The agent kind of looked at him a little funny, a little confused, and said, well... (laughs) Wouldn't you consider those accidents? Cowboy said, no, sir. They both did it on purpose. (laughs) Can I just tell you today that there are no accidents with God? That everything that he does or allows is on purpose? There's no happenstance or seeming chance It's all providence with God, that seeming accidents are really the sovereign's appointments. Our seeming chance decisions are really just sovereign chosen determinations. The Bible says in Ephesians 1.1 that God works all things according to the counsel of his will. So here's where we're really going this morning. The first week that we began our study in the book of Ruth realize that running may cost us, that turning from God's best is the worst thing we can do. Last week, we looked at, well, where do we go from here? Once we realize we've blown it, we've gotten out of the will of God, where do we go from here? We realize that to kind of get back to the things that God blesses, we have to make some decisions. We have to have this bulldog devotion that we've got to grab a hold of God and not let go. And along the way, we have to let go of bitter despair. This morning, what we want to do is, is we want to say, okay, we find out where we're going to go from here. The next logical question is, is how do we get there from here? How do we get there from here? So when you and I get in a mess, in a situation, In a circumstance, and we ask, where do we go from here? Sometimes we're stuck like Chuck. We have no means to get out of what we're in. Well, I've got some really good news today. Our text this morning is going to show us how to get there from here. When we don't think we can, God has a plan. When we don't think we can, God has a plan. I wonder if you would stand with me As I read a lengthy portion of Scripture, and we're going to read uh, Ruth chapter 2, and I'm going to try to do it at a speed that you can keep up with me. I was reminded this morning when I arose that the Lord told Timothy to devote himself to the public reading of Scripture. And praise God, we still do that here at First Baptist. Amen? So let's read God's Word together. Now Naomi had a kinsman of her husband, a man of great wealth, of the family of Elimelech, whose name was what, church? That's right. 
And Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, Please let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after one in whose sight I might find favor. And she said to her, Well, then go, my daughter. So she departed and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she had come to the portion of the field belonging to Boaz, who was the family of Elimelech. Now behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, May the Lord bless you and be with you. And they said, May the Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his servant who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? From the land of charge of the reapers replied, Well, she is the young Moabite woman who returned with Naomi from the land of Moab. And she said, Please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. Thus she came and has remained from morning until now, and she's been sitting in the house for a little while. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Listen carefully, my daughter. Do not go to glean in another field. Furthermore, do not go on from this one, but stay here with my maids. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap and go after them. Indeed, I have commanded the servants not to touch you. And when you're thirsty, go to the water jars and drink from the, what the servants draw. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your sight, that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? And Boaz replied to her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law after the death of your husband has been fully reported to me. And how you left your father and your mother and the land of your birth and came to a people that you did not previously know. May the Lord reward your work and your wages be full from the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to seek refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your sight, my Lord, for you have comforted me and indeed have spoken kindly to your maidservant that I am not like one of your maidservants. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, come here, that you may eat of my bread and dip your piece of bread in the vinegar. So she sat beside the reapers and he served her roasted grain and she ate and was satisfied and had some left. Sounds like Thanksgiving to me. And when she rose to glean, Boaz commanded his servant saying, let her glean even among the sheaves and do not insult her. Also, you shall purposely pull out for her some grain from the bundles and leave it that she may glean and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she gleaned, and it was about an effort of barley. She took it up and went into the city, and her mother-in-law said, saw what she had gleaned. She also took it out and gave Naomi what she had left after she was satisfied. Her mother-in-law then said to her, where did you glean today? And where did you work? May he who took notice of you be blessed. And she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, The name of the man with whom I work today is Boaz. Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed of the Lord who has not withdrawn his kindness to the living and to the dead. Again, Naomi said to her, The man is our relative. He is one of our closest relatives. Then Ruth the Moabite said, Furthermore, he said to me, you should stay close to my servants until they have finished all my harvest. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his maid so that others do not fall upon you in another field. So she stayed close by the maids of Boaz in order to glean until the end of the barley harvest and wheat harvest. And she lived with her mother-in-law. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Here's the first thing I want to help you understand today. 
When we don't think we can, God has a plan. How do we get there from here? Well, the first thing is this. The Lord will lead in the overall parameters of his plan. When we don't think we can, God has a plan. You see, Naomi and Ruth have returned to Bethlehem. They're, they're husbandless. They're homeless. They're helpless and appears to be very hopeless. Their future seems to contain poverty and even possibly starvation. This doesn't look good from a human point of view, but aren't you thankful his eye is on the sparrow and you know he cares for you, amen. The Lord is leading in the overall parameters of his plan, which includes this. God will reveal the people of his plan. He will reveal the people of his plan. Verse 1 of chapter 2 says those words. It says there that Naomi had a kinsman. She had a kinsman of her husband, a man of great wealth, whose name was what? It was Boaz. The text says that there's a relative, a kinsman. This is good news because looking at different versions, we see what kind of a man this Boaz is. The Bible says that he's a man of great wealth. It can be translated a man of great standing or a worthy man. The, man, the word can mean strength, power, ability, capability, or wealth, depending on the context. As one preacher put it, here it speaks of a man with a social standing and a good reputation, an honorable man of character and means. His name is Boaz. He will be the spiritual and physical knight in shining armor to Ruth. From the text, we can see down in verse 4, by the way, the first words come out of his mouth, that this is a man who honors God. He's a man of influence. He's a man of integrity. He's a man of substance, of credentials, a man of character. But he's also a man of the family of Elimelech. He has what it takes relationally, morally, and financially to solve Naomi and Ruth's problems. Such a man is an example to his community and is an example to us. When you and I don't think we can, the Lord will show us the right person in his plan. But here's a freebie. We don't even have to take up another offering. Just, just listen to me just for a moment. Parents, this is the kind of man you want your sons to grow up and be like. You want your children to be like Boaz and single ladies, all the single ladies. Can I just help you for a minute? I beg you with all my heart, don't compromise on a man. You wait for your Boaz. He's worth waiting on, I promise you. But you see, when we're wondering how to get there from here, the Lord has a plan. He'll reveal the, the, he'll reveal the person of his plan, but then he'll also reveal the place of his plan. He'll reveal the place of his plan. I don't know if you saw it there in verses 2 and 3, but she went out to, to glean among the, these workers, and she came across, and she said, hey, I just want to go to work with somebody in whose sight I can find favor. And she went and gleaned in the field after reapers, and she happened to come to Boaz's field. Now, isn't that interesting? I'm sure by now, Naomi and Ruth are hungry, right? They don't have men to provide for them. How, how are they going to eat? You may even be there this morning. Even after a holiday called Thanksgiving, some of you may be here today saying, I still have nothing to eat. And if that's you today, I want you to know, man, there's a God in heaven who wants to feed you today. 
But check this out. God's even got you covered when you're hungry. Because see, God had made a provision in the law for the poor, for the foreigner, for the widow, and the father. Let's look in God's word in Leviticus chapter 19. The Bible says these words. Now, when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap to the very edges of your field, nor shall you gather the gleanings of your harvest. And you shall not glean your vineyard, nor shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the needy and for the stranger. I am the Lord your God. He went on in Deuteronomy chapter 24, verses 19 through 22. When you reap your harvest in your field and forget a sheaf in the field, you're not to go back and get it. It shall belong to the stranger, the orphan, and to the widow, in order that the Lord your God may bless you in the work of your hands. When you beat the olives off your tree, you're not to search through the branches again. That shall be left for the stranger, the orphan, and the widow. When you gather the grapes of your vineyard, you're not to go over it again. That shall be left for the stranger, the orphan, and the widow. Deuteronomy chapter 17 through 19, the Bible says, For the Lord your God is God of gods and the Lord of lords. That's just a good spot to say amen. The great, the mighty, and the awesome God. Hallelujah! (laughs) Who does not show partiality or take a bribe. He executes justice for the orphan and the widow and shows his love for the stranger by giving him food and clothing. So show your love for the stranger, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. Do you see what God's doing? So so watch how the Lord is beginning to lead in this plan. Ruth asked Naomi to let her go to the fields of someone who would allow her to work that they might have something to eat. Ruth takes the initiative and Naomi responds with just a short, simple statement. Go ahead, my daughter. But in verse 3, Ruth goes to glean. And I want you to see it in your Bible. I want you to look your eyes in your Bible in chapter 2, verse 3. So she departed and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And here's the big word. And she happened to come to the portion. Do you see that she happened to come? Literally, in the Hebrew, it means this. Her chance chanced. Her chance chanced. She just happened to come to the field belonging to Boaz. Can you believe that? Of all the many fields she might go to glean, it just so happened that she would end up in Boaz's place? Beloved, this is not a seeming act of chance. This is a sovereign act of God. God was divinely directing, sovereignly orchestrating things down to the very last detail. Ruth did not plan to get up in the field of Boaz, but God did. (laughs) Ruth just started doing what she could, and the Lord always does what he does. You see, you'll come to find out when you're looking to get on with God's plan, you will see Proverbs 16, 9 revealed in your life. For it says this, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord does what, church? Directs his steps. When you and I don't think we can, God has a plan. He will lead us to the right person and put us in the right place. But one more thing, he will reveal the particulars of the plan. He will reveal the particulars of the plan. Ruth was led by the Lord to the right person in the right place. But praise God Almighty, he put her there at the right time. Did you notice that? You're saying, where do you see that in the text? Well, you got to back up <laughs> to Ruth chapter 1 in the last verse of chapter 1. So Naomi returned with, with her Ruth and Moabitess and her daughter-in-law who returned from the land of Moab. And the Bible says they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the harvest. <laughs> Imagine that. Got to put you in the right place with the right person at the right time. Do you believe that? See, I'm just going to tell you, that's how our God is. When you really want to know how you're going to get there from here, 
When you don't think you can, the Lord has a plan. He will lead you in the overall parameter of his plan. But secondly, can I teach you something else? The Lord will lead in the outworking of protection for his plan. The Lord will lead in the outworking of protection for his plan. Down in verses 14 through 13, we see some interesting words. Ruth takes an incredible risk by going into these fields. She's kind of going to go out there all by herself. And I'm going to tell you something, Ruth is a good-looking woman. She's single, and she happens to be a foreigner. And she's taking a huge risk by going out there. You heard some of the language in the text referring to that. But sometimes when you're trying to get there from here, you've got to take some risk. You have no choice but to do that. In Ruth's situation, it was either do something or starve. Ruth is this beautiful, single, foreign woman and was very, very vulnerable but she was counting on the protection of her new El Shaddai. El Shaddai, the almighty God, the one that she had said, this will be my God, she's counting on him because she, see, she understands something that you and I need to know. And that is, first of all, he knows who to involve in the plan. He knows who to involve in the plan. In verse four, the Bible says this. It says there's something very interesting. It says, now behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem to the reapers. But did you hear what he said? What are the very first things on his lip? May the Lord what? Be with you. May the Lord be with you. And then they respond accordingly. May the Lord bless you. But then in verse 5, <laughs> Boaz just gets down to business, right? Who is this? I mean, I'm telling you, it's the same kind of thought went through my head the first time I saw Rachel. Good googly moogly. I mean, who is that? I mean, it is on like Donkey Kong. He is, he is just taken aback. He's seen her, and he's definitely interested in her, and he asks, whose woman is this? In other words, he sees that she's young, and he's wondering if she belongs to anybody. The foreman, hey, he doesn't say a lot about her at first. He just kind of begins to identify her, but then he speaks to her character. In verse 7... It tells us there in the text that he, she said, hey, let me just gather. And then he said, she's just kind of remained here. She's been sitting in the house for a little while. Can I just help you something if you're single today? Ruth is the right person for God to bring to the right person. So let's focus on finding the right person. We need to focus on being the right person. When you become the right person, God may give you the right person. You just got to keep the focus. In character and conduct, she is God's lady, Jehovah's daughter, and others can't help but notice who she is. Again, precious singles, you focus on becoming the right person, and God will bring you the right person at the right time. Please hear me, male or female, do not compromise on who you choose as a mate. In protecting his plan, the Lord knows who to involve. But secondly, he knows what to implement in the plan. He knows what to implement. Verses 8 and 9, let's look there. He said to Ruth, he said, hey, listen, don't go to another field. Don't go from this one. Stay here. Let your eyes be here. And I've commanded the servants, they better not touch you. And when you're thirsty, you go get from what my servants have drawn. Boaz goes on the offensive. He's proactive and takes the initiative. Guys, can I tell you something? 
When you're looking to find a lady, don't wait for her to go first. Just step out and believe God. That's free too. But in a few sentences, Boaz lays out a gracious and beneficial plan for Ruth that will solve their food shortage. Here's some things to note. Ruth may have been about to leave the field when Boaz shows up. The male reapers may have done something to her that offended her or made her uncomfortable. And Boaz will have nothing to do with that. Mm-mm-mm. Boaz will have nothing to do with sexual immorality. He won't even let his workers entertain the thought of it. That's a man, ladies, I'd pay attention to. This is the kind of man we need to be as men, that we will not be involved in sexual immorality at all, and we won't let those around us be involved in it, amen? It's who we need to be, but it's also the kind of people we need to look for. In verse 9, it gets even stronger. The Lord's protection of his plan is so wonderful. Boaz tells Ruth to drink from what the young men have drawn. You may not understand it, but that is culturally very inappropriate. In that culture, it was the norm for a foreigner to draw water for the Hebrews, and the women were supposed to draw water for the men. (laughs) But here's that word we talked about last week. Here it is. It's that chesed again. There it is. It's God's loving kindness. He says, make my field your place of work. Move up and glean with my women where you'll do better. Don't worry about anyone giving you a hard time or fearing anything that will happen to you. By the way, when you're thirsty, the young men will provide for you. Ruth came hoping to just get enough to feed Omi and herself for a few days, but God had another plan. She did what she could, and God does what God does, but he's protecting his plan. But lastly, I want you to see this. He also knows how to inspire the plan. He also knows how to inspire the plan. Verse 10, the Bible says this, Then she fell on her face. Why have I found favor in your sight that you should notice me? Boaz says, hey, everything that you've done for Naomi, everybody's heard about this. Everybody knows what's going on. May the Lord reward you and and your wages be full because you've come to seek refuge from God. And then she says, hey, I found favor. You've comforted me. You spoke kindly to me. I'm not like any of the others. Ruth is overcome by the kindness and generosity of Boaz. She didn't earn it and she didn't expect it. She did what she did out of love and devotion for Naomi. She did what she did out of love for the Lord. Ruth is this example of what we should do and what we should let God do. The first thing that we are to do is that we just remain humble. That's how God inspires the plan, man, is he creates humility in us. Ruth falls to the ground on her face. This gratitude, this, this admonition, this, this I want to be respectful. She, she couldn't get any lower. She asked a question that says, hey, I'm humble. Why would you want to help me? Boaz responds, I know everything that you've done. You see, there's a principle here that's not going to be on the screen, but the Bible teaches in James 4, 6 that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. James 4.10 says this, that humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. That's your part. You just remain humble, but then watch this. Here's what God does. When you remain humble, then you can receive honor. If you stay humble, then God does the honoring. Boaz invokes a prayer of blessing on Ruth. 
fully entrusting her to the Lord. He says, may the Lord repay you. May the Lord give you a full reward. May the Lord be your refuge like a defenseless baby bird. Ruth is prayed that she would rest under the mighty wings of God. And Ruth responds, let me find favor. You've comforted me. You've spoken to me kindly. I don't deserve this. Can I tell you something? If you're trying to raise daughters, you want to raise one like Ruth. We've got a Boaz, we need our little boys to be like. We've got Ruth, we need our little girls to be like. Would God raise up more Boazes and Ruth in this church? Amen. See, when we don't think we can, God has a plan. And he's orchestrating and over, outworking the protection of his plan. It reminds me that I heard about the American Indians. They had this practice they used to do to train young braves. On the night of, the, of a brave's 13th birthday, after learning about hunting and scouting and fishing, he was put to one final test. He would be placed in a dense forest to spend the entire night alone. Until then, he would never have been away from the security of his family and his tribe. But on this night, he would be blindfolded and taken many miles away into a very dark forest. And in the midnight hour, they would take off his blindfold and there he would be in the thick woods and he would be terrified. Every time a twig snapped, he would visualize this wild animal ready to devour him. And after what seemed like an eternity, dawn would break and the first light of sunlight would enter into the forest. And he would begin looking around and he would see the flowers and the trees, an outline of the path which he'd came. But then he would also see the figure of a man just a few feet away from him, armed with a bow and an arrow. Because that man would be his father and his father had been there the entire night. Can I tell you something? God has a plan. And when he leads you into a place that you've never known, when you're like Ruth, you're just kind of stepping out there. You're scared and you wonder how you will be protected when you take the risk. Can I tell you this? God has never left you and never will leave you. He is your protection. Beloved, when you don't think you can, God has a plan. He will lead you in the outworking of the protection for his plan. He will lead you in the overall parameters of his plan. But then thirdly, the Lord will lead you in the outpouring of provisions for his plan. He will lead you in the outpouring of provisions for his plan. You see, you've already picked up on this. Ruth had not only captured Boaz's eye, but his heart. God was at work in his circumstances and in his heart. And though Boaz is the one who's showing kindness to Ruth, no one doubts that he is the one that's showing kindness because it is God showing kindness through him. Here's what you need to understand, that God will work for you to give you his supply. Listen very carefully to these words. God will work for you to give you his supply. Ruth, in verse 14, is invited by Boaz to join him for lunch. Boaz passes Ruth so much food that the Bible says she is satisfied and has some left over. Boaz then commands his men to let her glean even from among the sheaves. He tells his men to even throw out extra on the ground for her to pick up. But in verse 15, he says something amazing. In verse 16, he says to his men, do not insult her. And then in verse 16, he says, do not rebuke her. Kennedy, a commentator, says this. This means don't hoot at her or treat her in such a way as to send her away frightened and helpless. 
Boaz says she is not to be threatened physically or shamed personally with snide or rude comments about her foreign status or about the lowly class she represents. Oh, beloved, what grace. What a God. Do you see God's plan? Ruth has no control over any of the provisions. She simply just trusts God to be generous to her. But she does her part and lets God do his part on her behalf. God will work for you to give you his supply. But you and I can't just sit back and do nothing. Because here's the second thing. God will work with you as you give your sweat. God will work with you as you give your sweat. In verse 14, she saved from what she was given, and she took some to Naomi. But in verses 15 and 16, Naomi, Ruth, goes back to work after lunch. She goes back to work. Verse 17 tells us she works all day until evening. Then she beats out everything that she had worked for. God supplied, and she sweated out about an ephah of barley. An ephah equals about 22 liters, half a bushel, or 5.8 gallons. One liter of barley was a normal day's supply of food, and she's just worked for 22. (laughs) It would have weighed between 30 and 50 pounds. This is an extraordinary amount of sweat for a young lady. Naomi and Ruth would have had enough to eat for more than a week. And the Bible says that she kept going and doing this so she would have been able to glean enough food for them through that harvest to last them for a year. Her biggest challenge would have been, how do I get it all home? (laughs) You see, when you don't think you can, God has a plan. God will provide his supply when you provide your sweat. God works with you. God will work for you, but he's always going to provide. Remember reading this story about a woman who walked to her front gate and shouted, praise the Lord. (laughs) And each time she shouted, the next door neighbor who was an atheist would shout back, there is no Lord. One day she prayed. She said, Lord, I'm hungry. Please send me some food. Well, the following morning, she discovered a big bag of groceries on her front porch. She walked out. She saw those groceries. She said, praise the Lord. Her atheist neighbor from behind the bush said, I told you there is no Lord. I bought those groceries for you. (laughs) She said, well, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Not only did he send me groceries, but he made the devil pay for it. (laughs) (laughs) You see, the Lord not only has a plan, but he'll even make the devil pay for it. If necessary, the Lord knows how to get you from here to there. He will make a provision for you in ways that you never dreamed of. The Lord will lead you in the overall parameters. He will lead you in the outworking of the protection. He will lead in the outpouring of provisions for his plan. But lastly, very quickly, the Lord will lead in the opportunities to praise his plan. He'll lead in the opportunities to praise his plan. It's been an amazing day for Ruth. It's going to be an amazing night for Naomi. Ruth goes home tired but blessed and full. El Shaddai, the Almighty God, has not only forgotten them, but he's supplied for them. Bitter despair, here's something crucial to remember. 
now bitter despair seems to begin to dissipate. You see, when you don't think you can, God has a plan. And when that plan begins to take place, there's only one response, and that's praise. Because we need to rejoice, first of all, in the Lord's goodness. Chapter 2, verse 18 says that she took it and went to the city, and her mother-in-law saw what she gleaned, and she took it out and gave Naomi what she had left after she was satisfied. And her mother-in-law said, hey, where'd you glean? Where'd you work? May him who, who took notice of you be blessed. Naomi returns home and she says, hey, look what I found. <laughs> Naomi is surprised and she's like, now where did you go again and where did you work? But the questions are not so much about location as it is about the owner. And before Ruth answers Naomi, Naomi blesses this man. His name doesn't matter or really does it. He deserves to be blessed. Ruth only adds to the celebration of God's goodness with her answer. The climatic name of the benefactor again comes at the very end of the verse when she said, I work, the man I work for today is Boaz. Because it's through Boaz that the goodness of God has come to Ruth and Naomi. And you will begin to see that in your life when you're wondering how to get there from there. What's the plan that God has? God will put the people in the place and the timing in your life. And when you begin to see that, you too will rejoice and say, God, you have been good. But then also rejoice in the Lord's grace. Rejoice in the Lord's grace. Verse 20, it says this. Naomi said, may he be blessed who has not withdrawn his kindness to the living and the dead. This man is our relative, one of our closest relatives. What I believe is that this may be one of the key verses in the entire book of Ruth. Naomi immediately recognizes the name of Boaz and for the first time in the book gives praise and thanks to God. You know what that tells me? That it's God's grace that changes our bitterness to blessing and our problems to praise. Grace is how we go from broken to blessed. Who is the one who has shown hesed? Who is the one who has shown kindness? Who is the one that's comforted you? Who is the one that has provided for you? Is it the Lord or is it Boaz? Yes. Yes. Boaz is a Christ-like person in this text. But there's more. He's not only just a great man, he's one of our closest relatives. We're going to study this more in the, as we go along, but this is the word goel, G-O-E-L, which translated sometimes a kinsman redeemer. I don't have time today to go into depth. I will later, but, but you need to understand this kinsman redeemer idea. A kinsman redeemer could redeem, could purchase or buy back a family member sold into slavery. A kinsman redeemer could redeem, purchase, or buy back land which had been sold under economic hardship. A kinsman redeemer could purchase or buy back the family name of the dead by a Leverite marriage, which we'll explain later. A kinsman redeemer could purchase or redeem or buy back the killing of a relative as a blood avenger. In God's grace, he raised up a person who could resolve the difficulties that Naomi and Ruth faced. And beloved today, can I tell you, by his grace, he's able to do the very same thing in your life. In grace, God is moving and Naomi and Ruth rejoice that they have done nothing to deserve this. This is all God's favor. This is all God's doing. And that's what grace is, beloved. Beloved. 
But there's one more part in the plan to rejoicing, and that's to rejoice in the Lord's guidance. Ruth says, hey, Boaz has been very kind in verse 21, verse 22. It's amazing that she says this. Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, it's good, my daughter, that you go out with his maid so that the others do not fall upon you in another field. That word fall upon means to harm or to physically attack. God guided Ruth to the place where she could be provided and protected. And she saw that happen so much so, verse 23 says, so she continued until the end, not only the barley harvest, but the wheat harvest. Ruth goes out week to week. She follows the instructions of Boaz. She continues to work both through the barley and wheat harvest. Barley was in March and April, and wheat was through June and July. And you see, when you and I see that God's doing his plan, we'll just stick with the plan too. I remember reading a story about a, a woman walking along a busy street one day and she heard somebody singing. The sweet voice she heard was distinguishable even above the noise of this traffic. When she located this young man who was singing, she noticed that he had no legs and that he was pushing himself through the crowd in a wheelchair. The lady chased after him and she caught up with him and she says, I want you to know, I want you to know that, that to hear singing from a person in your condition really encourages me. The singer replied back. He said, when I think about all that I had lost and then I began thinking about all I still have left, I found that I have much more to give praise to God for. Beloved, when you and I see all that we have left, instead of focusing on all that we've lost, you and I will praise God as well. We'll see that God has been good, that God has been gracious, and that God has been guiding. Man, you can come now. You see, when we don't think we can, God has a plan. But can I tell you what you're thinking? Because I was thinking it too. God, can you make your plan happen on my timetable? Beloved, <laughs> one of my heroes of the faith was Dr. Adrian Rogers. Dr. Adrian Rogers once said this, men worry about time, but God's only concerned with timing. Men worry about time, but God's concerned with timing. So how do we get there from here? Well, you just get up and get going, and God will get you there. Here in this part of the world, y'all know about 45s, right? Cold 45s. Danny Simpson, you may not know this name, he used a hand-me-down Colt 45 to rob a bank in Canada. And with this hand-me-down Colt 45 that he used to rob this bank, he got away with $6,000. When the Canadian Mounties caught up with him, they confiscated the gun and they sent it back to their lab where it was recognized as a collector's item. <laughs> Danny discovered that he didn't have to rob a bank because the gun that he had in his hand was worth over $100,000. Can I tell you today that when you're in a bad spot, when you've gotten out of the will of God like Elimelech and his family, 
Can I just remind you today that you don't have to go out and do something stupid? All you have to do is just look what you already have. And when you realize how good God has already been to you, it'll be far more worth to you than anything you think you can go out and do. If you have the Lord, it'll pay off more than anything you can try to substitute him for. Listen, there are no accidents with God. Everything has a purpose. Everything works according to his plan. The God who gave his son gave his best. Then you and I can simply trust him with all the rest. So I guess maybe this morning the call to action or the invitation is simply this. Will you just trust God with his plan for your life? But can I tell you the first plan that God has for your life, the deepest desire of his heart, that you would know him through having faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Last week we celebrated a couple of girls who gave their hearts and their lives to Jesus, trusted him to save them from their sin, and they were baptized. I wonder today, man, if that's you. I wonder today if the first part of the reason maybe life isn't making sense to you is because you've gotten things out of order. You're wanting God to do something for you to prove to you that he exists before you'll follow him. Can I tell you, he already has. He's given us Easter. And he's given us Christmas. And I want you to know today, man, that you can trust Jesus as your Savior. You can. You can trust him. And he will save you from his sin. Would you rise to your feet? Let's pray. There'll be some men and women that'll be down at the front to receive you. We're going to pray. And if you need prayer about anything in your life, in your world, come down. Let us pray for you. If you need the Lord Jesus, come down. Let us pray for you.